0: Adam, 12? Adam, 12. Cop Talk America's on the air. Copy, put me 10-6, I'm tuning into Cop Talk America.
1: Welcome to Cop Talk America, where police discuss the job, answer questions, and respond to law enforcement hot topics around our great nation. With over 100
0: years combined law enforcement experience, here's your host,
2: Hey, thank you for joining us once again on Cop Talk America. I am Chad. I am joined today by Dave, Jerry, Brett, and Jarvis. Um, I'd like to start off uh, this episode and give in memory to a couple of our fallen brothers here that we got off the Officer Down Memorial page. Anyway, and uh, this is something we probably want to incorporate to most of our shows. Um, This this, uh, Memorial page is updated as of March 12th. Um, police officer Nathan Hayden Heidelberg, um, of the Midland Police Department in Texas. Uh, he succumbed to gunshot wounds and Deputy Sheriff Jacob Howard Keltner of the McHenry County Sheriff's Office in Illinois. His end of watch was Thursday, March 7th, 2019. Also, um, he died of gunshot wounds also. So, um... Our thoughts and prayers are out to those officers and their families, and like I said, we we like to uh, bring this up So all of our listeners kind of get an idea um, of what's going on out there And and so this kind of brings up our first topic. We're going to talk about suicides. This is uh, uh, Officers that commit suicide. There's a new article come out about alarm sounds after six Chicago PD suicides in the last eight months um, in the city of Chicago alone Um, I was actually surprised kind of reading through this article uh, the, the, the vast number of law enforcement suicides um, that there are. I mean, that shows, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years in law enforcement, and I didn't realize the number of police suicides. Uh, we have had a couple of in our area, um, but just going through this article, I didn't know that there was actually more police suicides every single year than there are officers that die in the line of duty. Um, and that, I think the numbers was like 67%, law enforcement officers 67% more likely to take their lives than, than the average citizen. Um, that, that, that was very surprising to me. Um, so I guess they kind of want us to talk about what we think are, are the factors, uh, that, that, that might attribute to these alarming numbers. And I know uh, Chicago PD is taking a hard look at it. And I'll give my hats off. Um, uh, uh, police, uh, mm-hmm. Chicago superintendent, mm-hmm. Eddie Jackson, um, said that they're, they're going to make that their first and foremost priority the Chicago police department right now was trying to take care of those. I'm sorry, Johnson, Eddie Johnson. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, so Eddie Johnson, anyway, uh, first and foremost, trying to take care of his, his officers and, and I'll give him kudos for that. Um, you know, cause he says that, you know, officers, how can officers take care of the public and take care of their beats if they're not taking care of themselves? I guess the question in hand is, are any of these measures actually going to work? I guess only time will tell. I know, like, like with our department, I, you know, you get you get the phone number. The what is it? The uh, employee, what's it called? Assistance.
3: Employee assistance. Uh,
2: oh, the assistance program. E&E. Yeah, yeah, the employee assistance program, which everybody has access to, um, which is basically uh, it's an anonymous. You can call and 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 reach out for help if need be, and and we were just kind of. Talking amongst ourselves before for this podcast, and you know, that kind of the question was brought up by, by Jarvis also is how many how many officers do we actually think would, would take advantage of a program like this? Um, me personally, I don't know. I think it would be very very low because you know, officers are usually type A personalities. Um, they 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 think we can t- we think we can take care of anything and everything, and and we don't have problems. Other people have problems.
4: Exactly. Because we're the ones in charge. We're the ones that other people call to take care of the problems when there are problems. Uh, We run into gunshots. We run into fires. We we run towards trouble while other people run away from trouble. And then you say, I want you to come in and you talk about the problems that you're having.
2: Your feelings. We don't like the word feelings.
4: I want you to come in and
2: talk about your feelings.
4: I can't see very many officers going in to do that.
2: And does anybody know? Um, have the numbers been going up or down or steady? Because well, well, that, that would be interesting to they me.
1: Showed here in, in 18 that
2: uh, we had more suicides than we had uh, officers killed in the line of duty. But is that a year-to-year thing, or is that? Or well, they've, they've done, that done it in the, the last
4: down. couple of years. They've got a. 163 died by suicide and 150 in the line of duty for 18. They said in 2016 across the country, 171 officers were killed in the line of duty and 140 committed suicide. So in the last couple of years, that went up.
2: So, and I guess people have to understand, and I've seen it, we've all seen it, I mean, when we all got hired, you know, we, we were told by our FTOs and guys that have been on the job for twenty, th- you know, 20, 30 years at that time. Boy, kid, I'd hate to be you. You know, things things are awful now. You can't do anything like you used to do. You know, and we're telling these brand new kids the same thing. It's amazing the the, the changes that have had in law enforcement just in the twenty five years that I've been an officer. I mean, we didn't have cell phones. You know, back then, some cars didn't have computers in them. There's no computers, no cell phones. Um, And I think the job, even though handwriting all the police reports was awful, awful thing and never want to do that again ever and had to, you know, when we were investigations, you had to use typewriters and type out. That was awful. But the job was a lot simpler also. Um, The call load wasn't nearly what it was, and I think attribute that also to cell phones because now everybody has access to 911 within their pockets. Um, Back then when you had to walk to a pay phone or a neighbor's house, or by the time you got to a phone, the the problem's completely gone to escalate at that time anyway. But the pressures that are put on officers now, especially I see it. um, I'm currently a supervisor now, and I've got a whole bunch of really young officers, and the pressure... That's put on these kids is absolutely unbelievable. It was pressures that I never had to deal with. Um, you have now it seems like the country is getting so anti cops, so anti-police. I think it's gotten better since the Trump election. Anyway, you don't hear a lot of that rhetoric going on anymore. You don't hear Black Lives Matter in the news every single day. But when officers are sitting there double-guessed, and I think I don't think it's the job. I, I, I have I don't think most of the pressure I've ever dealt with has been internal. I don't know if you guys all feel the same way. It's from the department, from the administration, from the city council, from the activists. That's where you get all the, where you're getting double guests, um, going out there and, and dealing with a homicide and dealing with all the other nonsense that we deal with. That never bothered me, and I don't think that bothers a lot of cops. And of course, you know, we're, I'm sure there are cops that slip through the crack that shouldn't be. And I'm not saying that about any of these officers that committed suicide. There might be other factors to deal with it. But it's always been internal problems for me that that drive me the most crazy than anything I've ever dealt with out on the street. You get more
1: pressure and stress from inside the department than you do out on the streets. And I know that's absolutely true for me. I had more stress from the things that were going on inside the department than I ever did actually out on the streets working because I really enjoyed my job. Uh, but I think that's true for a lot of people. We create way too much stress on these officers and uh, internally.
2: And especially everything that Chicago PD is going through now and has been going through since 2016. Yeah,
3: it's really, uh, I agree. You know, I've been kind of involved in this, this topic for a number of years. Um, I was really shocked by these numbers, uh, especially the suicide outdoing the in-line of duty deaths. I um, mean, that is just deplorable i mean it's just sickening when you see that because and once again suicide um by by its nature is is always been a private private type of thing when it happens to families i mean you didn't um it's the embarrassment of it the guilt of it and all those type of things and i think law enforcement families are no different i think it was kind of swept under the rug so i think these numbers are just now starting to come out of here coming out and into the public forum. But uh, just seeing that one number where uh, we've exceeded suicides by the inline duty deaths is just shocking to me. And like I said, I've been kind of involved in this for a number of years. I used to teach a course, Critical Incident Stress, for first responders. And the main gist of that program was to create as much stress as we could for officers so when they went into battle, and that's what we are. We're in a war zone out there. Um, and we're seeing the same thing with the, the military. Um, that was always a dirty little secret with the military. When you, you train these guys to go to war and then we, we don't help them when they come back from war and they're dealing with what they saw and what they had to do uh, to get their job accomplished. Uh, we're seeing the same thing in law enforcement now. Uh, we're going out to war every day on the streets. And there's a good quote in this uh, this article that you're referring to, Chad, uh, from uh, a psychologist uh, who says that these brave souls who keep us safe have to go out there and uh, they're dealing with trauma. Uh, I mean, they're, they're receiving trauma to their, bo- to their bodies, which may not be gunshot wounds or knife wounds or physical confrontation, but they're receiving trauma to the mind. Um, we've always been big in training our officers to... Uh, to be physically fit and uh, tough enough to go out there and handle the biggest, baddest guy that you can handle. Um, And we always wanted our officers to be physically fit, but we didn't think about the mental aspect of it. And uh, I think we're starting to see uh, a real problem. And the game is a lot – or the job is a lot faster now. And it's the same with the NFL and the NBA too. The game is a lot faster, and they're bigger, they're better uh, qualified athletes. So – um, in law enforcement what we're doing out there is a lot faster information is available to them uh, they're getting fed all this uh, information from social media you hit a good point with all the negative that these guys got to put up with before they even hit the streets about how they're you know they're killers uh, they're just out there to hurt people These just want, you know I don't know how many of us heard this com you know comment from the people were out there trying to serve and protect, you know, that you just want to kill me, you know, because of the way I look. You know, I heard that a couple of weeks ago from a couple of young kids. I mean, that's the narrative that's out there on social media. And these poor officers have got to deal with this. And uh, in my most recent class that I taught, um, I told these guys, I said, the things I'd, I didn't have to deal with 20 years ago, which you guys have to deal with now is social media I mean you guys are I mean you're sitting in my class looking at your phones right now getting the latest information and the, the social media aspect of it is, is instant instant mania to you so um, that's something that we never had to deal with 20 years ago and I think that's a real big factor now and what these cops are dealing with in their daily lives now and, and then you throw in the family aspect of it, over the trauma that they received doing their job and doing it well and doing it the way they've been trained to do and then turn around and have to take all that negativity home and have to deal with your normal normal lives.
2: What do you guys think about, too, um, not only has the social media aspect uh, changed, but discipline on officers um, um, double guessing them at every turn is it is completely out of control
0: completely out of control and, and and
2: so so if you're not an officer i mean try try to visualize you go to work every day and and you're doing everything you can you you're trying to do a good job no you know nobody wants to get sued nobody wants to get hurt but we have to go to every type of situation on the face of the earth and now you have to handle it and, and officers do do a great job of handling it. and i think that the, the body camera programs that everybody's worn is proving our point that officers are doing a great job at it but now every time that you have to do anything and it's an extremely violent job and you are terrified. And anytime anything happens now, now you're getting double-guessed by administration. You're having to write all these, these reports. So now you take the stress of, of, the, of the job itself, dealing with the violence. And the violent part that you just had to deal with isn't anywhere near the stress you have to deal with. What's going to happen when they Monday morning quarterback me after this? I mean, just last night, we had an incident of some guy stabbed another guy. We're just trying to get him into the paddy wagon, and he's refusing to get in. We stood around for a while, Everybody's, and you know, because the body cameras are rolling, what's the best way, least violent way we can get this person who's refusing, who's bloody and everything else, to get him into a paddy wagon. And then after it happens, okay, now are we going to get sued later because we had to shove this guy into the wagon because yes, he's refusing you are. to get in?
4: Because someone's going to see it, and they're going to say, how could they do that yeah. to this poor person and they won't,
2: handcuffed? they won't watch the 15 minutes of us – talking to this guy, doing everything in the world, trying to get him in there. Gonna see two, two seconds of a bunch of guys stuffing him in there.
0: I'm offended by the worst use of the word patty because I'm Irish.
2: <laughs> trigger, yeah. trigger word, trigger word. I need a
0: coloring book and some hot chocolate. Um,
2: but 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 the point is, um, back when I got hired, and, and, and the public can say this is right or wrong, Um, You know, things like you didn't worry about things like that. They're like, take, do your job, take care of the job. Now, obviously, if you do something horrible, you know, you're going to you'll pay the price for it. But this nickel and dime stuff that cops are getting dinged for left and right. Nobody is under those kind of pressures at their job anywhere. In fact, I read an article uh, not too long ago, and I think it was by an attorney. and, And he was doing a study and even said that. And I never thought about this before. What other profession out there disciplines its employees like what happens in law enforcement? It doesn't have... Who do you know that gets suspended day in and day out? Who do you know that goes without pay? Who gets written up nonstop for things, gets fired? I'm like, I never thought about it that way. There's no other job. We get disciplined a lot. Um, cops are under a microscope. And if that... You know, and that's your job online. And people are like, well, if you don't like it, just get out. Well, that's kind of hard to do when you're kind of invested in a career um, just to walk out and go find something else to do. But that pressure was just was not there 20 years ago.
0: I just saw it uh, right before I left, uh, this guy running or whatever the details was. I can't remember every exact detail, but some of the younger guys caught him. I showed up there, and, and it was a good arrest. They had to use a little bit of force. It wasn't no big deal. And those guys, if this would have been myself and you at that age, we'd have been high-fiving each other. Good deal. We got the bad guy off the street. This is great. Send me a wagon. This is awesome. Tell him to shut up. We've heard enough of you. We won. All these guys were doing is walking around. Well, I think we'll be okay if we did this, but I don't know. And they were just – all of them were worried about how we're going to write this report because we had to use a little bit of force. And I'm like, this isn't no fun. You guys aren't having any fun with this. This ought to be a high five and good time. Let's go grab coffee now. And this asshole goes to jail. And that's just that's not what is going on. Well, The
1: extra thing is, is the tactics uh, that we use in the past. We had to say, well, these tactics work. Yeah, they're going to work. Now we have to say, are these tactics going to work? Yeah. How are they going to look? Yeah, You have to incorporate that to the public. Night sticks are hardly used anymore when they
2: should be used a lot more because of how it's going to look. They still give us these big, heavy wooden sticks for one reason, to hit people with them. And we train every single year on how to hit people with these big, heavy wooden sticks because it's an unfair fight. We should probably cover that in a show later, too, the whole use of force continuum, because people don't understand. You see all these YouTube videos of – somebody just attacking the police and and then the the police knocking the snot out of them and people are just screaming you can't do that you can't do that like people think that officers that we can't punch people we can't hit them with sticks and everything else to an effect arrest on somebody who's actively fighting us trying yes we absolutely can that is totally justifiable is totally legal but now if you hit some you stroke somebody with a stick now i guarantee you you're going to be laying in bed staring at the ceiling all night saying okay is this going to be on social media is it going to be on youtube just the two seconds of it everybody's slamming me i mean we just well i can't talk about local stuff but but we see it all the time absolutely non-issues are making the front page of the paper and there's no rebuttal I, i see the chicago pds hiring all these or they're looking into all these new psychiatrists stuff like that to help out with suicide i think the number one thing that administrators have to do is no you need you need to take care of your officers those supervisors need to take care of those officers those supervisors and administration need to let those officers know you are okay. You will do your job. We have your back. You are following the law. You're doing these things. We're not going to nickel and dime you just to appease the media, just to appease these activists who are out there throwing a fit. We're going to tell those activists they didn't do anything wrong. Shut up. That's going to help a lot more than some psychiatr- psychiatrists that cops will probably never go see in the first place.
0: Wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to work for that guy that just gets at the news conference and everybody wants to complain about uh, the use of force or whatever the case may be? And if it's justified, you just tell shut up. Yeah, we've heard not shut up. You're wrong. You're trying to exploit a situation,
2: but they don't do that, do they?
0: No, no not at all. One
1: of the one of the biggest things that I remember uh, is frustration. You're on the streets, you're making you're dealing with the guy from Chad's story, the paddy wagon sitting around for 15 minutes. and You finally get him in there. But are you pissed off? Yeah, I'm pissed off. This jack-off just took 15 minutes of our time doing this. We still couldn't get him in the way we wanted to do it. And you get frustrated. Then you go to the next call, and you got the lady screaming at you. And the frustration builds up. And when you come home, the old lady doesn't know that you've had a really shitty day. So what do you do? You just and seal it up, and you don't say a word. And finally, an hour later, the old lady says, what's wrong? And that broke the back. And you turn around and you just let it fly and you release it or you hold on to it till the next time. But the frustration keeps building. You bring that into the house with the wife and the kids and they can't figure out why you're so pissed off all the time because of the command or because the way you got treated on this call or that call or you feel like you're a scared duck out there now and won't do anything because I get paid the same for sitting in a parking lot as I do for going out and trying to catch yeah, bad guys. That's a huge, and, wonderful and, point. And yeah. so, but I'm the kind of guy that can't sit in the parking lot. That's just who I am. It, that's what the doing. the frustration just, it builds and builds and builds. And I think that's good, a big problem with this is that
0: cops go into work sometimes now that are, already pissed off at the society
1: before they even get on the job. And they
0: get there a lot younger than they used to. We've discussed that before. One thing Jarvis brought up, and Jerry, and I I think this is true, I think this is getting back to the suicide. It's actually coming out more, which is a good thing to address it. Uh, It wasn't cool, and for for the most part, kind of probably still isn't maybe cool that a policeman has anything, uh, any kind of emotional issues or whatever. My dad was an old World War II vet. And, you know, you never hear of PTSD from the guys from World War II or, or suicide or anything like that. But growing up with my father, I guarantee he had PTSD. I guarantee you that he carried the – I mean, he was in some of the worst fighting in the Pacific, and the majority of the people that he was in his platoon were killed. And I guarantee he had those issues. But you didn't talk about them. You didn't address them. And you just uh, – you just, uh, you know, you get over it. You, you man up and you do what you need to do. And that's pretty much been the attitude – um, until now, I maybe mean, we're, you know, starting to see that uh, maybe that isn't the best approach to take.
3: Well, you brought up a good point earlier about second-guessing. These officers second-guessing themselves, and that's a very, very dangerous thing to be doing out on the street. There's a time, uh, there's a time for second-guessing and critiquing a situation or a scenario that had occurred, you know, and you do it in a controlled environment, and that is a stress reliever. Um, But it has to be done in a controlled environment and allow these guys to vent and have an opinion and discuss what had happened and and go through that. And that's been one of the things that we did. We used to do very, very well with our department is we'd have these critiques after the effect. uh, You know, when... We have an opportunity to critique these situations. That that will allow the officers to uh, distress a little bit. But when they're out there trying to second-guess themselves or should I do this or shouldn't do that based upon some type of complaint that may come in or may not come in and all that, that is undue stress that these officers don't need to be dealing with. I mean, they're trained to do their job. There's law that covers what they're doing, and they just got to figure out a way to put that negative – the negativity behind them and not have to deal with that when they're out there dealing with the trauma that they're dealing with on a daily basis. And uh, I think that will go a long way to getting these officers healthy again and uh, given an opportunity to vent. But you're absolutely right. There's there's all kinds of people second-guessing officers every day um, from the public forum to the administration and the internal stresses that they get. But we've got to find a way to manage these guys' help and give them an avenue to go out there and seek help so we can maybe start uh, addressing this problem that they're dealing with when it comes to suicides because this is ridiculous that, uh, you know, these guys are doing fine work out there or, or can't find an avenue to get get rid of uh, what they're dealing with. And, uh, and we got some programs in place in our department, and they have them up in Chicago, but like you said... Who's going to go to those unless we we start forcing these officers or start identifying these problems uh, when they're occurring? And we see a problem, an officer that has a problem, and not a problem officer. I think we spend too much time dealing with the problem officers instead of dealing with the officers that may have a problem. And
2: uh, and, so. and and obviously, it's too late for a lot of these officers. And 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 I'm just off the cuff here, just really to thinking out loud. Um, cause as we've discussed before, none of us are willingly going to go see a psychiatrist or anything, but, um, if, I'll, if admins really want to do something, maybe it's almost a mandatory thing, even, even if it's just like a survey. And like I said, I'm just thinking out loud right now, so it might not even make any sense, but a lot of these things I'm sure, and I'm sure that there's studies and everything out there that, that what causes the biggest stressors for officers and maybe there could be something even localized. Okay. What's causing our biggest stressors for our officers at our department? What can we do? to to face those and if it ends up being um that it's administrative issues that are causing the most stresses on officers what can we do to alleviate that if it ends up being public and these kind of calls what can we do to alleviate that if it's you know uh, a a number of officers on the streets um those sort of things i i don't know but i think when you take i mean obviously there's going to have to be um Something wrong in the personal life also that just then gets compounded by what's happening at work like, I don't think just the job itself I mean, maybe it has in some cases, but there's gonna be a personal aspect also something's went haywire in the personal life And then you got a, a thankless job on top of that also Which I mean there obviously has to be something because a 67% more likely officers to kill themselves than anybody else So that's that's alarming. I don't think more psychiatrists is the answer it's going to be. What do we have to do to take care of these guys? Um, like especially in Chicago, and I don't know if their suicide rates higher than anybody else's. But you got that consent decree coming down. I mean, you got all these rules. ACLU throwing a fit on officers, and and I'm sure they're seeing a lot worse than we are. I mean, I have never been mf'd so much in my life i i will just be driving down the street and you just got people screaming you just drive by and f you and people just screaming at you down the street because they've been told that's okay to do that anymore um now if you go do something about it now you're even worried about them screaming at you, you what did you do am i in trouble now for addressing this problem so what do we do we just keep driving past chicago officers with this consent decree or um, what they have to do there, I was reading, was it in this article or a different article? Every time they stop a person, I know it's Illinois law, we have to write people receipt anytime we stop and talk to anybody for anything whatsoever. Chicago PD has to fill out a 70-question paper on every single person they stop. There's 70, a two-page 70-question form they need to complete on why they stopped this person. Now, you don't think that's adding a whole ton of stress on officer? Not only, okay, so instead of stopping the drug dealers on on the street corner, what are they going to do? You're going to drive on past. And you have to figure out and you have to answer 70 questions as to why you stopped a person. And you don't get paid anymore for stopping people whatsoever, like you alluded to, Brett. Mm-hmm. People understand that. We get a paycheck. It's we don't get paid per arrest, per stop, anything else. You can sit in a parking lot all day long and get paid just as much as the guy going out there. But now you're going to have to go to court. You're looking at lawsuits. You're looking at the social media. You're looking at everything else. The department not backing you. Yeah, the whole thing just compounds. What other job has that? Okay, we want you to do your job, and there's all these extra things that would make you really, really great at this job, but we're not going to pay anymore. And if you if it turns out not to be so great, this one time out of a 1,000 that you do something, you're going to pay for it, and you're going to pay for it with your job, you're going to pay for it by getting sued, you're going to pay for it by getting hurt. What what other job does that?
3: I, you're, the one point you hit on, you know, we send officers to a psychiatrist when they've been involved in a shooting that's mandatory with our department I'm sure it's pretty consistent across the country you know I don't know how many officers that have been involved in a shooting actually end up killing themselves later on or as part of the suicide rate I just about bet if there's an officer whose wife left him and the rumors going around the police department that, you know, this officer's got marital problems or financial problems. I've just about bet there's probably more of suicide rate involving those type of topics than there is an in officer involved shooting. So why don't we look at this, the system here and maybe come up if you hear an officer has having marital problems or alcohol problems or, um, financial problems. And that's, causing problems with his job, maybe that ought to be a mandated go see the psychiatrist at that point in time.
2: Well, um, yeah, that's, that, that, that's interesting because, and, and you're right, I would, I would doubt that you were able to trace back any of these suicides to one catastrophic incident at work. There's probably just a whole bevy of things that have finally compiled. I mean, I, there might be. I mean, somebody who's now something happened and is facing prison or indictment or something of that nature, I mean, that, that would be pretty obvious. But yes. even with that, I think there would still be some underlying factors with that also. So the interesting thing is what is causing, and if they're truly, and I, and I, and I believe them. I, I believe a lot of the administrators. I know our administrator, that's, that's his says one of his top priorities, too, is officers' mental health. And that's good to say, but what is really causing that? What's causing 67% more of us to commit suicide than anybody else? I mean, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I I could guess because it takes, and maybe it just might be our personalities, because it takes a certain personality to want to become a police officer. you got to have probably a screw loose to begin with (laughs) if you ever want to do this job and face what we have to face because it's been proven we cannot pass psychological tests. They, they psychologically test us to get the job to say whether we're fit for duty or not. And then it has been proven once you're on the job a certain number of years and you take that, say, they're going to say we're nuts because we just see things completely different than anybody else that a cop cannot pass. Brett, you, I don't know how you ever made it to begin with no. because you've always been a complete
1: whack job. Well, I started to eat the psychological exam <laughs> and they stopped me from that. So, you know, I shouldn't have been
3: on here. Well, I like to say in closing that, uh, to all our listeners out there uh there is help out there gentlemen ladies um in this in law enforcement if you're having an issue or you need to talk to somebody reach out and get some help it doesn't make you a weak person um The worst thing that can happen to a police organization, a police family, is a death of a fellow officer. I don't care if it's in the line of duty or if it's a suicide or if it's an accident. It is catastrophic to an organization and the police family. So if you're out there and you're suffering and you need help, uh, reach out and get some help and uh, make yourself better and healthy and, uh, and makes the whole organization stronger.
1: Amen.
2: All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to Cop Talk America. Also, check us out, Cop Talk America, on our YouTube page.